Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm Ned Bolting. I'm Adam Tranter. And I'm Laura Laker. And this time we are tackling the brilliantly titled movement known as Tactical Urbanism. You may not know what it is. I certainly didn't, but you're about to find out. (laughs) Also known as DIY Urbanism, it's a citizen-led approach to street space change using quick and low-cost materials like planters, seating and bollards. It's about reclaiming street space for people from cars, from parklets... To pedestrian, I don't know when a park is a parklet, but we'll find out. Um, to pedestrian plazas, to pop-up bike lanes. So this is really testing the microphone's ability to deal with peas, <laughs> isn't it? And microphone pops. Um, the likes of which appeared around the world during the pandemic. Um, but, <laughs> but before, sorry, but for, I'm, I don't know what's got into me today. I'm in a bit of a daft mood. But uh, before we get onto that subject, and Laura's been out and about and doing some recording for us, I'd like to ask how everybody is. I'll start with you, Laura. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, what have I been doing? I've been cycling here, there and everywhere. I went and uh, got um, got uh, kind of tested with Dame Sarah's story and her young academy riders. That was really fun. So oh, I got yeah. So you're like doing sports. some like um, indoor turbo yeah. riding or something. Yeah, it was really, yeah. It was really fun, actually. Yeah. yeah, I had a great time. Um, and yeah, I've been doing planters. So, so yeah. That's and yesterday, I saw you said yesterday you went out and about with um, two laden panniers yeah. on the windiest day of the year so far. It was unbelievably windy in London yesterday, it was wasn't it? Surprisingly windy. Yeah, I went to Paddington. Um, and then left the bike there, took a train, and then I cycled back. I got a headwind on the way there, almost a minute and a half from missing the train. Oof. And then, on, but then on the way back, I just had the most brilliant time. And uh, yeah, I'd forgotten how fun it is riding with panniers. Actually, it's a whole different experience. You feel the bike flexing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's quite fun. It's brilliant when you get the the wind direction right, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, when, when I can't remember when we last recorded a podcast, but I think I've been to San Remo since. I was commentating on a famous bicycle race in Italy called Milan San Remo. And for those of you who know the geography, San Remo itself is right on the kind of Ligurian coast of Italy, right right next to the French border. So it's really not far from Monaco and Nice and places. So it's on that beautiful coastline. And it used to have San Remo, a kind of Belle Epoque, um, turn of the century railway line that ran all the way along the Ligurian coast, but obviously couldn't take high speed trains. So at some point in recent decades, they've built a high speed line inland and they um, closed the old train line along the coast. But rather than just letting it you know, disappear, they turned it into a really extensive cycle track 
all the way. I mean, it runs for tens of kilometers all the way along the coast. Oh, it's nice. beautifully maintained, cutting through tunnels all the time, cutting through these headlands. It's really well used, you know. It's a real asset to that coastline. And the day after I'd been working there, Kath, my partner, actually came out and joined me out there. And the next day we hired city bikes and we rode in for, th- I think it's the longest ride Kath had ever done, actually. We rode for about three hours into the strongest headwind along this coast I've <laughs> ever experienced. But then we turned around and basically freewheeled back. It was absolutely wonderful wearing big billowy clothes. So we acted, acted like a sail sort of thing. That's what I've been Sounds up to. amazing. What have you been up to, Adam? I've been doing bits and bobs, actually. I've, um, what have I been doing? I went to Ghent and I went to Brussels. That was really nice. Um, wow. Love Ghent. I absolutely love Ghent. Yeah, I, it was quite embarrassing actually, because because I um I went I went there and met the deputy mayor for transport, who's the person that kind of uh, initiated their traffic circulation plan and and has made it really good for cycling. And he was mm. like, "Oh, have you been to Ghent before?" I was like, "Oh, I don't think so, but it's just wonderful. Like, I love it. It's just just brilliant." And then we cycled yeah. back into the town square, and I'd realised that I had been to Ghent before, but I was just totally inebriated um on a on a on a on a, uh, on a stag do where i went to the tour of flanders like 10 years ago and we stayed in ghent and uh, it, it is magnificent it is wonderful and what they've done there is uh it's nothing short of uh, amazing actually you know it's the kind of thing that i was texting my wife straight away saying we should go here on holiday we should bring the kids the kids will be able my kids are eight we'll be able to cycle here you know cycle around all the stuff so yeah it's wonderful and they went to brussels which is obviously you know a much larger city everyone thinks their city is magical and different you know oh yeah it's is very different got these problems but brussels have got exactly the same you know issues as as birmingham for example so yeah it's really good to talk to the people there that are working on on kind of um active travel and stuff so that was great and then we we got given an absolute boatload not that all my life is about working but um we got given an absolute boatload of uh money from um from government for for active travel in the west midlands so so i'm reading laura's prepared some notes here yeah you can you can read it we can do a drum roll if you want uh, well uh, okay i'll do a drum roll on the microphone like this there you go adam has won 254 million quid for walking and cycling in the west midlands is that right can that be right that's a quarter of a billion pounds yeah yeah no it's um well it's it's not totally right because it's not me that's totally secured it you know there's a whole team of people that have gone <laughs> yeah, and sure. uh, done it much of it was um in the works already but it's over the next five years it's a city region sustainable transport settlement and it's designed to um kind of yeah, get regions to invest in in sustainable transport over you know in the next period of time and an active travel is a, is a really big 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 part of it for the first time really you know most of this stuff goes on you know, trains and buses and trams and all the stuff that, that it rightly should. But Active Travel's got a proper seat at the table now. So we, um, yeah, we're, we're going to crack on. Does it come from central government then, Adam? Totally, yeah. So it's part of the significant amount of funding that the government, central government are putting forward for Active Travel and also the, uh, you'll have heard, the kind of bus back better and, and those kind of phrases and things like yeah. that. It's all, um, yeah, it's all being invested in the right stuff in transport. So it's great. It's really, really good. Are you going to be able to spend it all in uh, five years, do you think? It's quite a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Don't get me wrong. Most local authorities have not done very much for active travel. Birmingham have, have been very good in comparison. And obviously, you know, we've got some, some ambitious local authorities. But you're going from spending hardly any money to lots of money. So we are very rapidly building capacity it would be a learning journey i'm sure but we're trying to make sure we've got the right people the best people there and, and of course active travel england will help us as well so yeah i'm very very pleased i wonder if um if you're kind of working in this field if you have expertise in the field of like delivering active travel if you'll be able to name your price at the moment because there's a lot of demand isn't there central government's going to be recruiting the kind of people delivering active travel measures and regions are as well and um, we're kind of short on staff I just, it just occurred to me it's quite interesting times isn't it yeah, there's a massive, massive shortage in the transport sector and a massive skill shortage in, in active travel as a niche of that. So, yes, not that they can name their price, but yeah, there's a skill shortage and there's a lot of resource issues. So it's, it's actually very hard for us at Transport for West Midlands to get the right people in those jobs and hiring them. So, so there's a lot of 
reliance on consultancies and things like that. I have a slightly alternative view on this is that I actually think for us in the short term, this is a good thing because I know who's good. The people who are good want to work with ambitious regions to do good work. So ultimately, we want to get started and work with some consultants that we know will do a brilliant job because they're active travel specialists but it is very hard and we do need to apprenticeships all that stuff we need to get get going on that really it does sound like a, a furiously large amount of money because it is and people might think well crikey hack i mean that you really could make a vast difference with that but i remember you know years ago chris boardman used to have some amazing statistics at his fingertips that he'd often put out over the airwaves about the cost of renovating one single underground station versus active travel budgets and all that sort of thing. That, I mean, for example, if you take one infrastructure project that's not uncontroversial, that's upcoming in London, that the building of the Silvertown Tunnel. I mean, totally how, uncontroversial. How, <laughs> all right, it's deeply <laughs> controversial and uh, ultimately a, a, an absolutely awful idea that I hope gets stopped still. How much money is that when you put it alongside, I don't know, building a big junction of a motorway or, uh, you know, road infrastructure, I, I suppose is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these are colossal amounts of money. You've got things like the Lower Thames Crossing as well, which is a Highways England project. So there's obviously this road building budget, which a lot of people talk about, you know, the £28 billion or so for road building. And that goes into massive projects like that. You know, there's a roundabout called the, I think it's the Black Cat Roundabout, which um, cost a billion pounds on its own for roundabouts. So you could say, you know, our, our, the settlement we have from government for not all of transport, but for like big transport projects is the same as a roundabout, if you like. But we obviously get access to that kind of, you know, when we do, we don't have many roads projects, but but it's a, it's a separate thing. But it is a lot of money. So to give you an example, cost about a million and a half per mile to do a sort of fully protected, good, high quality cycle lane to put it into context wow it's not f- it's not free is it <laughs> it's not fr- it's not so free and there's, money, there's yeah. a lot that goes into it um and yeah. it's not just material costs obviously but there's there's I mean, utilities is a massive thing so like you know because a lot of the you know all our main infrastructure is underneath the roadways so picking yeah. that up moving it it's a difficult thing to do you know a zebra crossing could cost something like 50 to eighty thousand pounds to put into perspective but don't get me wrong we can do a lot of stuff with this money so the very least looking at building over 100 kilometers of high quality cycleway then you know there's obviously lots of other elements of, of infrastructure that can support active travel within that so yes it's a lot of money we should say um you should never lose track of that and we should also get more money from government on active travel you know, I sound like I'm bigging up the government, but they are, you know, very much getting it right in terms of cycling and walking funding. We're going to be getting annual settlements for cycling and walking, as well as the funding that I just mentioned. So they're really going for it. Mm. Do you have the same problem we have in London where the, um, they don't know what's under the streets? Because I think some of the cycleways in London have been delayed because they start digging something up and then... Oh and yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know until you until you dig. In many cases, and even if you do know what's under there, it might not be how you expected it. So yeah, it's very difficult. This has turned into a rather what long. What are you up to? Uh, so yeah, sorry. I'm just really, I'm just interested. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was just a bit kind of like one sided between the three presenters of this podcast, wasn't it? Because you know, I've been on a windy bike ride, and that's it. So that's pretty much. <laughs> All I've got to all I've got to report. Laura's been on a windy bike ride and nearly missed a train. <laughs> <laughs> and you've and you've been handed and you've been handed a quarter of a billion pounds by central government. Of course, we're going to ask you questions. I have been I on a windy bike ride as my... well, just to put it into perspective. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. That evens things out totally. Yeah, I was talking to Adam about my planters the other day, and then um, and then he kind of says, "Oh, uh, mentions this money," and I'm like, "Well, that's <laughs> yeah. he's all over my <laughs> the nine grand well, I got for my planters." <laughs> to to bring it back, I did spend a hundred pounds on of my own money, I should say, on plants to rejuvenate a little parklet that I created close to me. So it is certainly tactical urbanism season and i've been doing normal stuff as well so i don't want to paint a, a picture right. of, of, of stuff so <laughs> okay well let's 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 return to the, the subject at hand as billed at the beginning of this podcast which is um tactical urbanism and laura 
we're about to hear how you spent a couple of afternoons, as far as I can make out, right outside your yeah. front door. And it's um, God, it was quite a g- lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, give us yeah. give us the context of the story. Yeah, so basically, Newham Council um, launched this thing called the Community Assembly Fund, and it's a participatory budget, which they've got some priorities that people could vote on, and, and the top priorities included things like greening. And so they had this big pot of funds that people could bid for money for and I'd had this idea and weirdly enough I'd done a PowerPoint presentation for nobody because that's how I like to spend it I think it was lockdown at the time I just had this idea there's this grey concrete space near where I live and it's really in need of something and so yeah I had this idea to you know a few planters just improve the place a bit and then when the community assembly fund came up I did this pitch and then you know bid for it and then people voted I had to go around leafleting and this was back when I was in um, isolation last summer and you were at the velodrome doing the cargo bike stuff. That was, I'd just been sort of flyering and then I had to go into isolation and then got the funding back in August and then just took ages to get the funds. So in about January, the funds came through and then um, it started off as a small project. It was a very long, long process. And I think I did my presentation first last in last this time last year. And yeah, incredibly long process, but been massively transformative so we've got these five huge planters in this area we've managed to reclaim some car parking spaces uh, from a sort of garage that had been semi-knocked down and was just being used as informal parking so quite transformative actually and uh, for five grand I got match funded by the people who um, it's a council estate it's the people who manage the estate they put in another three grand and then the people who mow the lawns I managed to rope them in because every time I saw someone in the area I'd, I'd go up to them and just basically say what are you doing can you help me with this idea? What I are you have? doing? Can you help us plant? <laughs> I'm just really good at badgering people. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm like polite, but relentless. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> All right. Well, listen, without, yeah. without, without spoiling any more of what we're about to hear, let's hear about Laura's curtain twitching behaviour um, <laughs> outside our front door and then um, her, uh, her tactical urbanism. This is how it all came about. Morning. How are you doing? Trees have arrived. How are you? I'm good. No, we're good, Laura. The plan is to put the, um, put the liner in, yep. and nail it in, and the stones will arrive with the soil. Okay, they'll we'll, go inside the yes, liner. Yes, it's part of the soak away. So, uh, soak so, you, away. so your water doesn't sort of sit there. And here as well. Hopefully the plan would be for the guy to hover the bag over, and I can cut the bottom. Going back and forth with a shovel and a oh, wheelbarrow. Yeah. So we're not doing a lorry and a grabber, we're doing bags? Maybe one or the two. Okay. But whatever comes, okay. <laughs> uh, well, whatever comes, the plan is to get him to park there. Okay. And if there's traffic, there's traffic. So yeah, be, yeah. we want to get this done. Yeah. Saturday, upcoming Saturday. Planting um, day. Planting day. Bring everyone together. Yeah. It should be nice. Yeah, it'll be nice, won't it? Are we going to drill holes in here? I'm a bit worried about the drainage. Um, I think we are. I think, yeah. we are. I, think um, I think this one is a bit smaller, isn't it? I think the, the guys working here yesterday, they put a plan for today. So my role today, hopefully, uh, once the soil gets here and the shingles, happy days. I think it'd be really nice to have some seating there. Yeah, the lady upstairs is saying that her kids, because they don't have a garden, their kids are quite active and they don't really have anywhere to play. So, oh, um, OK. I know, yeah, it'd be nice <laughs> to have some sort of barrier for the cars but I'm not sure how we're going to do that yet it's so same as now Pacific no one's got a designated parking spot yeah we sort of we just need like something just to mark off this area because I think I don't know I can imagine being a parent you think mm. it feels quite open yeah. do you know it's yeah anyway the trees have arrived there's Ace the Wonder Cat as I like to call him there's no one and nothing <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? Is this um, wood chip? I'd love some for the tree planting. Yeah. So yeah, I can bring some. Yeah, it'd be good to sort of kill off the grass before we put the trees in. So apparently, it's really, it really like strangles the tree roots. Such a small plant, you wouldn't well, think, you, but you don't, want, you don't want a lot. You just want to cover just around, around the, the trees. base. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's no problem. Yeah. And I need to shoot off now. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do it. Well, the bench. Yeah, three sides, I think. 
nice little seating area. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are up for it. Uh. So I was coming in, we've got a lorry with a lady lorry driver and a massive bucket thing dropping soil in. Are we going to have enough soil? Should have enough. Should have enough soil. Yeah. I was just looking from upstairs and um, can you see I can't the, can see, you see the soil. The I can't see any soil oh, in okay. there. It's, you can't see any left? No. no. You think we'll have enough? I think so. I hope so. Yeah. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty epic. It is pretty epic. I think Having this gigantic lorry lifting in the soil. Eight-wheeler lorry. Eight-wheeler lorry. A lady, a lady lorry driver. Yeah. Which is very cool. She's manning the high ab. Womaning. Womaning the high up. <laughs> Looking good. One yeah. more delivery to come in to go in the far corners and then Chris will tidy up. So, yeah. Plants on Saturday. Mm -hmm. and you're doing two planting days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Someone said they couldn't make uh, the first Saturday and I realised actually we've got so much to do. How many people have you got helping? I don't know. You never know with these no. things. You ask people and they say yes, but um, yeah. if there's activity down there refreshments yeah maybe i should try and get some supplies in we she, need one of those um tea, coffee free cigarettes industrial so that sounds like she's scraping metal there she i'm is. not sure she is yeah. are we getting another lorry load you will be yeah yeah that's why we're Phew. that's why the budget is like that's why the <laughs> yeah. so we've so just gone overboard with planters just got so overexcited yeah so you need we're not going to need the same amount we're going to need because obviously they're smaller but mm -hmm. you're going to need 10 tons so on the second lorry we're going to have a couple of bags of compost as well so this is oh, the, these people do compost as well. Oh, amazing, thank you. So they're going to do some dumpy bags on top of there. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably do two dumpy bags here, mm -hmm. three on here, two on there, two on there. And they can just plant it all in on the top surface. Okay. So, but we don't know how much we're going to need here until we have the aggregate in the bottom of the other two planters. Okay. <clears throat> um, so how many tonnes of soil are we having? It's 18 tonnes going in here. In the two? In those two, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. So normally these things do 16 tonnes. There's 18 tonnes coming into this, these two. Holy moly. Yeah. Wow, 28 tons of soil. Yeah, it's quite a lot. I mean, um, <laughs> it is quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> just as much as you can grab it, or should have problems with the guys. We'd have to have like four people shoveling it. And oh my god, if you had to shovel 28 tons well, of takes, soil, takes a day, but... yeah. Mm. We have um, it's all excitement here. <laughs> I think she's nearly done. Yeah. She's good. So she's going to go back, get another load. I don't think she'll come and get another load today. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see where we were today. We've still got to put the aggregate in those two. Okay. So we'll just level this all out, see how much compost we put in here, get the other two prepped up, and then get everything done tomorrow. But I was thinking Thursday evening would be done. So it was originally a two-day job, right? Yeah. I was thinking it'd be two days to get it all done, mm -hmm. from Monday to Tuesday evening or Wednesday. But we were here Saturday with five people. We have yeah. then had people here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So it's all kind of gone on. Yeah. But they always kind of start and go on a little bit further. Yeah. And there's no planting yet, so. I know. Tommy, you've been very the, kind. You should do the planting in a day. You reckon? Yeah, you can. The thing is, I think, I mean, um, I kind of wanted to, to be inclusive because the lady up there, she actually seemed really keen. That was the main reason. Yeah. When I said to her, Oh, we're doing Saturday, she said, Oh, I'm working Saturdays. If I'd known earlier, I would have changed my day. So you've basically made this happen. You've been very generous with well, your, with your yeah, workers' with guys, time. It's a good time to do it, right? Because the grass hasn't started growing yet. Because how did it start? So I got, the, I got the through, funding. Through, through, through Gosher. I saw you outside. I saw, was it you I saw guys, personally? I saw guys, yeah. I saw your guys. And I, I thought, oh, they look like they're mowing the lawn. And so I went out and uh, talked to you about, I can't even remember what the first thing I spoke to you about was. But um, then it occurred that maybe <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you could help with the planters. Yeah, I think Gosher contacted me. Uh, Gosher who works for Swan Housing had said there's a lady in this development who wants to do some with the community stuff yeah. and to approach us to to approach any UK to do a bit of help with it, help with you guys yeah because it was quite a while ago now wasn't it I mean yeah. we, we did the bid last year they announced that we won the bid in August yep. it took forever for the money to finally <clears> come through <throat> via a local charity how, how was the bid was it hard to uh... no no it was well no actually just someone um, I know from the market encouraged me to, to do it and um We've got some idea of like how much bought planters cost, which is a lot. You get like two, quite, they're quite crummy compared with these. I mean, they're not crummy looking, but they're like yeah, yeah. tiny. Yeah. And uh, you don't get much for your money with a prefabricated one. And then, um, and then I think you might have suggested that you could build them for us. Yep. 
well, it's and then community development stuff, which is always yeah. good. So yeah, and it looks good for you because um, you can get your. Uh, it always help. We well, do, yeah. do a lot of community development yeah. wherever we can. I yeah. was warned that you were quite proactive. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gosha told you that I'd um, I'd try and persuade you to do more than you wanted to do, and um, look what's happened. (laughs) Once you're in it, you're in it. Yeah, Yeah. but you've been very kind, and um, yeah, it would have it wouldn't have been like a quarter of the project or an eighth of the project if it hadn't been for you. So um, yeah, we appreciate it. We really do. Yeah, because it's just concrete here. It's just really grim and grey. And your uh, your chaps are saying that um, they find it quite quite sort of it's a bit bleak here. This corner is a bit more concretey. Mm. Yeah, it does need a bit of life. Yeah, and there's a the lot of concrete. Yeah, the trees are sad. The tree pits are sad. Yeah. There's a lot of sadness. Yeah, but not anymore. No, it's very jolly. I think you'll I think see on the weekend when all the plants are in it's looking colourful. It's going to look very different. People will begrudgingly start to be happy that their car spaces are gone. Yeah. And then once they can sit down and have a chat in the summer, yeah. they'll start to appreciate it. When it becomes a little spot for people to hang out, then you'll start to see a little bit more people might start popping down. I've spoken to everyone, they like the idea of the seating area. <clears throat> well, Chris is doing a sterling job with the raking. I, know. Th- I thought it was full ages ago, but she's kept going and it just keeps, oh, he keeps raking it and it just keeps filling. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps spreading to the edges. Yeah, and then it'll compact down. Then you'll need more on top. The sound of the plants arriving. To take them all off and put them on here. Start with so many of them. Ah. So we've got our first gardeners here. First, first gardeners. Got Laura planting some. Just okay. So let's go and grab some stuff from Laura. Right, we've got loads. Gonna come and uh, do some digging. You're very welcome to if you want to. (laughs) She's like, no. Just pretend I'm not here. Okay, all right, we've got everyone. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone's a Yeah. Can we see the daffodil? Oh, yes, next to your mum. That's yes. lovely. We've got dads, we've got, well. got some flowers. My gosh, there's a lot of plants here. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot. These smell so nice. Some ferns, got some Binker Minor. Um, okay, I think we're not supposed to go. Yeah, are we going to move this TV or are we leaving it here? Not sure, what do you think? I just think we leave it here. See what happens. Yeah, yeah sort of. Here. Yeah, yeah you've sussed it. Sure. And so this beautiful Jan Tallis just gave me this. Which building are you? Are you? Oh, I'm just literally round the corner. Run, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. So pleased people have turned up because you never know. Like, uh, no, I'm yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna just sprinkle these around. Um, I also them. took some sage out and put them on the wheelbarrow. I'm not sure if those are the ones. Yeah. Okay. Morning. Yeah. Just start wherever. Lisa's kind of laid them out in the vague formation that they're going to be in. So um, you could just go there and ask them if they're doing a cutting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, dig a hole roughly like the size of the pot and like the same kind of depth and width. And then yeah, once you've got enough. Uh, of a hole uh, okay. to take it out so of the pot. This one is a lot, yeah. Bit nicer one? to look at, isn't it? This one? Yes. That one. Oh, that one. What is that called? What I know that Fatsia. one. Fatsia. Oh, Fatsia japonica. Yeah. This one? Oh I my goodness. This is an indoor plant. No. It looks like one, doesn't it? Yeah. This one. Smell it. Can you smell it? Can you pinch the leaves a little bit and smell your hand? Yeah. Can you smell? It's like mint. It's like, um, it is a little bit actually, isn't it? But it's a thyme, it's a lemon thyme. You can cook with this. Mm, yeah, it's pretty good. That's just familiar. Yeah. It smells familiar. Uh, that, that, was, that was in my school. Thank you. At home. Yeah. That's my lollipop. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, perfect. Okay, who's taking it out of the pot? Go on then. Let's take that out of the way. Okay, there you go. You know how to do it? Squeeze the sides of the pot and then turn it over. Put your hands on the top so we don't lose it. That's it. Yeah. And then we'll turn it over carefully. Oh, that's it. See, look, look at that. All those bulbs at the bottom.
watering now. How are you finding the watering experience? Pretty calm, I guess. <laughs> Pretty calm. It is quite calm, isn't it? Yeah. So when you walk past, you'll be able to say, I planted that one, I planted that one. Done loads. Yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? This one's much kind of grassier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got one, we've got one big one left to come. One big one? Yeah, you can help with that one. You can help with this one. Yeah, that's a biggie. You can help too, it might be a teamwork. Come on in. With my fresh set of eyes, can I just say that this one is in a straight line with that one, whereas there it isn't. So can we move this forward to about here? Before it settles in too much, is that right? I bet you wish I had stayed over there now, haven't you? So we're on day two of the planting, doing a sort of tree pit area by a playground that was a bit sad looking before. We've got two local councillors and another councillor, but not local, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> local resident. Local resident. Yeah. Ah, nice, you live in the area. I do. Yeah. yeah. And sorry, I know Rachel's name, but I don't know your... I'm Sasha. James. James. Oh. I grew up here in Forest Gate, yeah. but I now live in Lilford. We're doing some planting, and uh, isn't it nice? It's, <laughs> it's lovely. It's lovely. I've, been, I've been councillor here for eight years, and every time I've walked through this estate, I've always looked at all the space that there is yeah. and thought, this is such a good example of a place that could be so much better like mm. it wasn't terrible yeah. but it just was a bit unloved and yeah. definitely nothing green and mm. so seeing this kind of thing happen is the kind of yeah. work that I've just always wanted us to be able to do just so brilliant to see it all coming yeah. and see everything growing yeah it's nice to have the community assembly fund as well mm. I don't know if you're um, you're all new and right yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah that's just been amazing it's really nice to see kind of little pockets of green popping up around the borough yeah and I think if you look at all the projects across Newham as well they swing really heavily towards community greening yeah there's lots yeah. and lots of planting projects yeah. and I knew there was a lot of that kind of latent energy in mm. Forest Gate but I didn't know how much of it there was mm. right across Newham yeah. so I think that's then going to inform how we shape the budget in the future as well for more more greening across the borough now yeah. that people have shown how much they value it how it works is a participatory budget they call it isn't it yeah. it's quite yeah. common in like Europe I remember going to Lisbon and hearing about they had it there and so people were like pitch ideas basically and then like get people to vote for them and so there was a lot of greening in the first place and then lots yes. of greening projects got through presumably yes. yeah yeah lots of success for greening projects yeah. which is great to see yeah really, really good I think it originally participatory budgeting started out in Porto Alegre by the mayor there in the 80s. Where's that? So in Brazil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Brazilian Workers' Party. Cool. It was their idea and they started out with people would be able to attend their workers' councils and things like that and, and be involved in their local community. And it was, I think it was mandatory that they had to attend right. and participate <laughs> in their in their local community, which I think is a really nice idea. I think when you get that engagement, then people take ownership of a space like that a bit yeah. more, which is really nice. Yeah. I was a bit worried that, like, maybe there'll be, like, littering or that maybe some of the plants would have been, like, messed with, but no-one's touched anything. And it's really nice to see, like, different people sitting, like, kids coming along and, like, looking at the plants. A woman came up earlier and she said she grew up on the estate and she said she was, like, so pleased to see it and her mum's still here. Just said what an improvement it was. It's really yeah. nice. It's and then really, she... really nice. Yeah. There's so many things, I think, in local government and being a local councillor that you feel, like, quite helpless about. And actually, mm. greening is one of those few things where you can actually point to something in two years... Mm when it's still there and even more beautiful than when you started and say we achieved that and yeah. that's the thing that that you know happened yeah i think planting always feels like a metaphor as yeah. well you can't escape it like mm. if you're getting your hands in the earth and if things are growing roots and flowers are blooming like it feels like much more than it is which yeah. is a lovely experience yeah too. it's an incredibly cheesy quote and i can't believe i'm gonna say this but there's a really <laughs> nice quote that's um says to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow which I think it's like there's something actually really political about that mm. because it is saying you know I, I think that this is going to be here in two years time and I believe in the world that will be here in two years time which is really nice that's so nice I don't think that's cheesy that. that's really sweet <laughs> I think that's lovely yeah are there any other councils doing kind of participatory type things like this or um, I don't I know about know across any... the country I only know sort of like the 
roots of participatory yeah. democracy um, and budgeting, but I don't know too much. Not in the same kind of way. Mm. I mean, I think most local authorities have got some kind of ability for residents to come up with small-scale project ideas okay. and ways to kind of bid for funding, and they mm. might badge it in different ways or put it in different places, mm. but there's normally somewhere where somebody can help you make something small happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay came out this morning at 10 and I was like, there's no one here. I was wheeling the plants out like, ah. But yeah, it's nice to see people coming along again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming along. We know how to live. Yeah. <laughs> so Donna and Miranda, you're yes. doing like a lot of the planting. Donna was here last time. Miranda's made it this time. Yeah, yeah. I've really enjoyed just... Seeing something nice and pretty. Yeah. That's what we want. Um, I've been living here a, a long time and um, for many years... I've seen like plants come and go and mm. it's actually nice to actually take part in part mm. of the community spirit of yeah, actually making it more beautiful. Good. And walking around and watching it grow because I do mm. like to see plants grow. Yes. So actually being part of that mm. is a different level altogether oh, I think good. for me. Yeah, we were sort of running around flyering people and you never really know like who's going to turn up. But I mean, if anyone turns up, that's that's a good thing. And and Donna, for you, you can see the plants out your window now, so that's quite nice. Yeah. It's nice to get digging. And knowing that you've invested your time and energy and you feel protected yeah. about the space. So if you see someone misusing it, they're probably going to get a look. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that you need to tidy up after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few people kind of sitting on the bench over there. It's quite nice. There's a lady this morning just having a cigarette, obviously on her way to work. Just a little mm. quiet moment. And this is quite nice to see, like different people, kind of older people sitting on the bench, kids. Yeah. I think that's what plants do. They sort of give you a sense of peace where you can actually sit down and enjoy life and take things in for a little while and slow down. Laura. I absolutely love that. I think it's the most Laura thing <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> I love the fact that really early on you say, well, I think you're talking about some planters and you say, um, do you think we need to drill some holes in that? I'm a bit worried about the drainage. <laughs> which, uh, which I know you say with a smile on your face, but man, you meant it. And if there were... If and if they hadn't said, oh, let's not bother about dra drilling holes in that. I mean, actually, she agreed with you. You would have carried on badgering her about drilling those holes because you were worried about the drainage <laughs> until those holes had got drilled and the drainage problem potentially yeah. was sorted. I think the whole thing is a tribute to your tenacity <laughs> in many That's ways. Brilliant. How does it feel now? How, is it, how does it look? And when do, is it finished? <sighs> yeah, it's finished. We haven't planted the trees. The trees had arrived. We were waiting for some wood chip and we kind of ran out of space and digging power. So um, they're also very, very small trees that someone's donated. So I'm a little bit worried about releasing them into the wild because you could literally just grab it with your hand and snap it. But it's finished. The plants are in. Can I ask what trees they are? What type of trees? They are silver birches. Beautiful. I've, lovely... got, I've got a silver yeah. birch sapling in my back garden and it's about yeah. three years old now. And it was really just a little bit of advice. It was really quite a fragile project for the first mm -hmm. couple of years. And they can, don't worry too much. They start to bend at really extraordinary angles. And you think, oh, crikey, that's no good. They do, as they go into their third years, they do kind of right themselves and really start to take off in my experience. So they Yeah, go. they're, yeah, they're lovely trees, and um, I was recommended to get them by the local tree officer, so I've called everyone in the process of this project. But, yeah, I was given them by this lovely project called Cody Dock, which is their sort of community thing down in um, along the Relay River, so I went along and picked them up. So, yeah, the plants are in, the planters are in. I managed to get some wood chip, which I sprinkled on top, and I've started making just everyone who walks past, I sort of, I'm like, what do you think? It looks nice, doesn't it? And uh, just, yeah, people giving their opinions. Some people... Most people really like it. There were a couple of people a bit worried about the loss of a few parking spaces, but everyone's been really polite. It's not like online conversations. There was one lady who was a bit kind of, uh, I don't know, I wasn't particularly, I think I, my, my political skills weren't weren't particularly great that day and I made a joke about it. But she she's come around and, yeah, people seem to love it and it's really nice and you see all sorts of people using the bench, hoping that, you know, there's a thing with benches about antisocial behaviour and it's a place that's had some quite a lot of problems in the past. But I think, as you heard, people having been involved with it and much more take much more ownership over it. So I have noticed that people have been watering certain areas, uh, which is lovely to see. And it's just I mean, the first time I saw 
someone walking past with a couple of kids and the kids walked over to the planters and were touching the plants. I got a little tear in my eye. Because yeah, <laughs> it was just, oh, it was just so it's nice lovely. to see, you know, kids. And there's like um, what I presume to be a father and son. I've seen them sitting there for quite a while just chatting and yeah all sorts of people enjoying it and just seeing people smiling as they're walking past when they were being built because I was out there during the construction and yeah so many positive responses it's just been wonderful and I've wanted to do something here for for literally years it's just taken quite a lot to sort of build the courage to go because I had to go around knocking on people's doors and saying do you want to come and help and you know just gathering people's opinions and it's been a very long process but yeah I'm super happy well it's just really nice yeah. to make a physical impact on the environment yeah it's an ongoing process as well isn't it because this has to be maintained yeah. and you know that's, yeah. the, that's that's the key to all these projects isn't it once they're up and exactly running, keep them, keep yeah them as lovely as they that you know when they first started yeah they shouldn't need too much watering but um after a couple of years but for, the, for yeah. those first couple of years and coming into the summer now they will yeah. and it's got to the point where the sort of the council's finally doing something about the derelict garages i think they've put up some signs and i think they're gonna i think it's finally inspired them because i think they were knocked down back in 2014 and they've just sort of been standing Brilliant. there half yeah, so it's really good, yeah. Another detail that I thought was really interesting in your interview, I think, with one of the councillors who came on the second day, who knew a bit of the history of the movement, was that um, yeah. it, it, it began in Porto Alegre in, in Brazil, and it was a, mm. an initiative from the Brazilian Workers' Party. And so it does have a traceable history, this movement. And, you know, yeah. I, I didn't realise that. That was that was news to me. And I, I think it was news to you as well, wasn't it, Laura? It was. Yeah, it was. And yes, like I said, it was a, I knew it was a thing in Europe, but I, I didn't realise where it had come from. And it's, yeah, it's really, mm. what she said was really nice as well about um, planting a garden is, is about believing in the future. And she's actually pregnant at the time. So I think she's thinking along those lines. Yeah. While she's, yeah. She's yeah. Yeah. And Adam, you alluded to it before that you've got some experience as well of, of going down the, the line of tactical urbanism. Uh, yeah, um, I did main thing. I said I got quite obsessed about this during lockdown. I did loads of research as well. And I just wanted to clarify that I guess there's kind of tactical urbanism that can be done by members of the public, which I think is great. And that's what I did. But we've also seen the techniques being used by local authorities actually during COVID because, you know, some of the techniques of using paint rather than really expensive materials or to create like street art on the road or to give places for people to sit and all of this stuff were were materials that you know things out of tactical urbanism playbook if you like being used by local authorities and and, um, I think it showed people what was really possible and one of my favorite you know examples of it uh, I guess was in reading Jeanette Sadiq Khan's book Street Fight is when they closed down practically took place at Times Square and they went out and bought loads of like just deck chairs from the local hardware store and kind of put them out this is the city government doing this and and you know everyone just goes and sits down straight away and knows exactly what to do it's pop-up it's kind of guerrilla but yeah it's really exciting so so I became obsessed with this movement as a campaign I went through my own kind of like local thing of of installing a parklet slightly naughtily in a parking space and People loved it. It stayed there for like 10 months. It took up a parking space on the on the high street. Did you just do it without any permission at all? You just did it? Just uh, went ahead and did I'd it? Like, yes, the, the, the <laughs> former, the former uh, mischievous Adam Trancer did it without permission. Not the mature politician. Not the, no. Yeah, not this. <laughs> and, and the, you know, I can talk about it because the council were really good about it. They, you know, they, they understood what I was trying to do. And But anyway, it got removed 10 months later because someone... Um, complained about the the loss of parking and it went sort of got put in the back of a van and taken to the depot so for that i i kind of like uh, you know i couldn't stop thinking about it and it's rather over the top but if i went and bought a motor vehicle because <laughs> the whole the whole the whole ridiculousness of it is is that oh we, we allow cars to park practically anywhere and then as soon as you put anything that's not a car it doesn't the system doesn't know what to do and we see that now with like bike parking and stuff like that you know sometimes getting a cycle hanger is very very difficult when you do yeah. and very and very expensive as yeah, well. yeah the permit is more yeah. expensive than a than a car permit and, and things yeah. like that so i thought well what happens if i built a parklet on a motor vehicle it's <laughs> um, amazing so, so i bought a, a piaggio ape from ebay how much did you pay for that they're brilliant little things uh, yeah the four thousand two hundred pounds oh wow but i uh yeah well i was really bored during lockdown i'd already been building furniture out of 
pallets and I needed so I needed something to do um but my uh, to, to, to rationalize it a little bit more I've got a few friends who work for Jaguar Land Rover near where I am and you know they're engineers he's taken it apart made it like roadworthy rewelded it done loads of put a new floor floor in it and all sorts of stuff and we reckon it's probably worth about seven or eight grand now uh now that it's been done up so it's it's, it's worth something anyway i just i just yeah i built a park lot on the back with a few mates and it's got a bench <laughs> and uh, it's still sat in a car park in where i live and uh yeah people go and you know every day people go and sit on it take photos of it and really really like it so it's a van it's a vanguard it's a van garden yeah. It's a Van Garden, yeah. There used to be a famous um, American cyclist oh, yeah. called TJ Van Garderen, didn't there? There was, yeah. Um, yeah so right. people can, yeah, people can just sit on it, and you know, there's a QR code, and you, I get feedback every day, pretty much. And one of the really nice ones was a dad who lives in the flats near this kind of desolate car park, and obviously doesn't have access to the green space. And you know, he's like, oh, me and my son come and eat our dinner here in the summer, and like, you know, it's lovely, and and they sit down and chat and. Yeah, I just so thought, nice. oh, this is this is what it's about. So it's one, yeah, one of the most rewarding things I've done. It's uh, it was a learning process and and really fun. And I think it shows like with Laura stuff, just just uh, anybody can make an impact on their community and make something slightly better. And it's very thought provoking because some people can't imagine what the future might look like or that it couldn't be any better. And you can kind of show them in a way that doesn't require much commitment from them they just need to be able to say oh that's better than it was yeah um, and then yeah. you can have a bigger conversation about well why don't we absolutely do the whole car park or why don't we do this or, or you know or whatever and it does feel like a, a very important first step in what really could become as laura was saying you know that the, the fact that you've put in your parklet in your little area you think has has actually fed into some council thinking about getting rid of those disused yeah garage box so you know one thing can lead to another and I, and I do think you know there are issues at stake in our built environment that frankly 18 months ago were so niche mm. as to be unknowable but are now really quite mainstream considerations for example the more tarmac and paving that we put in our world the more mm. the water just yeah, runs off heat waves mm. as well. you, you know mm. and it exactly so it feeds into all that and these things mm. I didn't understand or know anything about them but you know they're generally kind of becoming understood and appreciated and the very existence of the word rewilding yeah the notion that you don't always have to mow grass and that you should let it grow you know the fragility of the population even in urban environments of the bee population stuff like this mm -hmm. it's all part of the same picture isn't it they're all interconnected and the more you can visually represent these steps on every street corner and spread it out across our towns yeah. and cities the better it's going to be i think it's yeah yeah i think um obviously adam had made his uh, forged his own way in uh, terms of making his parklet i was kind of enabled through this participatory budget this community assembly thing i did notice actually this week that possible has launched a campaign to try and have this process in all councils and you can write to your council and ask for some way or that you can ask for um, a parklet in your neighborhood and just citing you know the usual reasons for green space uh, having such a positive impact on mental and physical health just the enormity of the land that we give over to car parking and yeah so I guess I'll put a link in the show notes because it's quite interesting you can you can email mm. your councillor through possible's website and just say that you know you want a, a way of introducing these things yourself because yeah for most people i mean the funding is super helpful and just having that process of uh, that council can agree to something and you know start to enact these policies which quite often exist but not necessarily with a a, a method of of doing it to kind of reallocate space away from motor traffic towards people yeah, and just to, just another shout out for Postman. It's little known, but they have something called a parklet plotter. Oh, really? Which I guess has a couple of meanings, doesn't it? Um, with, uh, you know, it allows you to plot it on a map, but also obviously they, they do lots of advice and guidance on this stuff. But the parklet plotter tool allows you to look at a city, look at a place, look at your own community, and you can put layers on top. So they have a public green space layer, they have an access to green space layer. They have the index of multiple deprivation layer and they have the cars per household layer. So you can see in an area who are the people that have the least access to green space that maybe don't own cars. Can we support those communities in getting them, you know, access to green space through parklets? So I think that's a really nice tool. And there's a really nice kind of advocacy community in this. You know, we wouldn't 
be able to do the podcast without mentioning Brenda Pesh, who created her people parking bay in Hackney again. Yeah, sort of legend. Went against the system and just, <laughs> just did it and sort of paved the way for a parklet policy. And there is now a London parklets campaign. I think they're going to do broader stuff. So you know, it's not just about parklets, of course, but this is a, a wonderful example of what can be done in a local community and, and really reminded me that anyone can make a difference. Start with your own front garden. It could start with a plot of derelict land. This stuff can always be made better and quite quickly. And greenery has this wonderful way of doing things, isn't it? Where you can just transform a space by yeah putting a tree there and, and, and yeah that's what we need more of cool well i'm i'm having a, a pneumatic drill taken to the outside of my house towards the end of this month when the builders come around because i've got a redundant car parking space outside the front of my house that's been an eyesore for ages so i'm going to be going down that route myself you're going to build a parklet in your front garden i'm going to build a little parklet in my front garden so that people can throw empty chicken box fried chicken boxes into it <laughs> Uh, just for that reason, really, oh, no. just so that you know, little place for them to dump their fried chicken boxes. Nice. Um, good, good for the soil. Good, good for, for the soil. soil. Uh, right, excellent. Well, uh, I wish you all the very best uh, in your endeavours. Um, would it be? Do you think it'd be nice to shout out to people if they want to tell us a little bit, maybe about their experiences of getting these initiatives underway? I think yeah. the best way to do it is probably contact us on on the socials, on the Twitter. That's a good um, idea. And. Um, it's i'm sure you know it but if you don't it's at pod streets ahead or one word at pod streets ahead but let us know your experiences of that as well and we might be able to read out a few of them next week or next week that's um, ambitious isn't it next week next time next time we podcast let's just put it like that (laughs) but in the meantime uh, thanks very much laura thanks adam you've been listening to streets ahead and our editor for this episode and many episodes before it has been claire mansell thank you to claire so do let us know what you think as i said at pod streets ahead rate us and review us and share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it it's bye-bye from me bye-bye from me and bye-bye from me are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns